1: Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast Season 6 with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited to have you. This is the podcast that is dedicated to hard work, disciplined decisions, and year-round training in the pursuit of the best possible version of ourselves. We leverage elk hunting to create a pathway. We understand that time is finite and we cannot squander a second. We must be leaders at our home. We understand that faith is our number one priority. Then family, then fitness, then health, then wealth. Our year-round discipline decisions help us leave a legacy for our family to follow. You will leave here motivated, inspired, and educated. We bring on a wide variety of guests, subject matter experts so that you can tune in get what you need to get and continue on your journey we are blessed to call ourselves elk hunters season six here we go happy monday let's get going today sitting down with basically my archery coach for the last uh, couple decades josh jones he's not really an archery coach per se but he knows enough to be deadly but he's really a master of tuning bows which is what we're going to discuss mainly in this podcast today we want to encourage folks to have their home set up and also know how to repair equipment in the field and be able to diagnose if something's wrong or something's off or the tune is out. So really in an informal podcast but some great knowledge in there. This podcast is brought to you by Matthews. I am shooting the Phase 429 QAD Rest with the Canyon Pander. That's probably going to be my starting setup with the Pro Comps and the Iron Will, Snyder Core with the Collar, that whole setup. Uh, Be on the lookout on our YouTube channel. I'll probably do a full video on that and as advertised on this podcast today, Josh and I are going to make a redemption video on how to broadhead tune and listen closely at the end because there's an invitation for a viewer or a listener to come out, and we will take you through this tuning process so that you leave with your broadheads hitting with your fill points. So be on the lookout for that, and reach out via email, a direct message, or whatever. Uh, this podcast will be on YouTube as well, so if you want to just watch it, great. If not, just sit back and listen here. Also, discount code for uh, binos—I know you guys buy binos this time of year. Go to Eurooptic.com. Discount code is Elk10. It'll take. 10% off. Make sure you have your X subscription renewed and all your offline maps downloaded where you're going. If you're not an elite member, upgrade discount code OakShape, take 20% off. A lot of folks were asking, I did have a Kufaru discount code. They pulled everybody's discount code at the end of May 2023, probably because it's peak buying season and they don't want a discount. So don't message me. I already know that. Uh, if you're looking to upgrade your MagView system, that's a digiscoping system made in the US that does not require a silly extra phone case discount code elk shape will take 10 percent off my wilderness athlete discount code changed it is elk shape 2023 so if you're getting the hydrate recover energy and focus trail packs or you're looking to upgrade your protein powders or meal replacements creatine hmb Use that, save some loot. Crispy boots, the one I'm getting the most questions about is the new Brickstall Mountain GTX. Been testing those for months now. I'm gonna give those a 4.9 out of five. They're almost as good as the Laponia 2s, and it's uh, an all synthetic, well-rounded, and it is trail camera season. I know a lot of you guys put them out, so if you need to upgrade trail cams or whatever, uh, got a couple codes. Elk Shape 10 will take 10% off. Stealth Cam Cellulars. Elk Shape 20 will take 20% off non-cells. Check out that new Deceptor. It does have on-demand. So like, think about you whitetail hunters. If you're trying to get into your stand and you want a picture to see if there's any deer in the field, you set that up wherever you need. You hit a button, you get a real-time photo of where you're going, so you don't bump animals. Kind of cool. For vinyl harnesses, I am rocking a marsupial with the magnets enclosed. And right now, I'm gonna probably run tens for elk season. I love twelves, but tens are just a little bit of weight savings, a little bit of size savings. Back to the e-bikes. Discount code, ElkShape takes 300 bucks off. And always BlackOvis.com discount code ElkShape takes 10% off, free shipping. Let's sit down with Josh Jones and let's get to this podcast. Thanks, guys. Cheers, ElkShape podcast. MFJJ at my house. How you doing?
2: I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Dan? You look good. How old are you now? 44. Your birthday was in May? Yep. Just, uh, just last month. Getting old, man.
1: Uh, it's weird how like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm 42 mm-hmm. in August. Mm-hmm. And I would say that as soon as soon as I turned 30, I'd gotten married. We started having kids. It's been a blur. Yeah. But I remember my twenties, like it was just man. I'm not old. I'm never gonna get yeah. old. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure someone who's 50 or 60 listening right now is like, just you wait, You whiny little bitches. Yeah, <laughs> but no. It, it seems like um, like this spring, I, it, it's gone, and I feel like it just got here. Yeah, and I don't even. I'm not even looking Flies forward by. to summer. I would prefer another good month of like oh, yeah. low 70s, high 60s which, with some rainstorms. Which the last
2: couple of days, we've actually had that. It's so, been amazing. Fingers crossed, You know, keep it going.
1: Well, this uh, high 80s at the beginning of May, mm. man, we went Gross. from... Do you remember how nice October was here? Oh, God, yeah. And then November 1, we got snow. Yep, which is great. like to have snow in
2: late season. For
1: hunting. For hunting. But then it was just winter until it wasn't, and then we did, kind of skipped spring again. So I don't yeah.
2: like these... I like the four seasons. That's why we're here. Yeah, and it does, sure doesn't seem like we get four anymore. Uh-uh. It does definitely seem like we have a very short spring, if it even exists at all. And our stupid long winter anymore. Or sometimes we get like good cold weather and then it warms up for like a month and then it gets cold again, which is kind of weird. So it like dissolves a good portion of the fall. I'd, I just, our winters seem to be getting a lot longer or at least it feels that way. Maybe, maybe I'm mm, wrong.
1: I, I agree. And neither one of us, I ski a little for the kids. Yeah. I don't own a snowmobile.
3: Um,
1: winters are rough. We make a lot of content with you in the winter. Yeah,
2: we got a lot of downtime and we're standing around a shop and going, what can we talk about? But um, I did—I uh, do have tracks for one of my UTVs and that's been fun. Oh. Yeah, that's been a good time. I but, love that dude, you have they multiple beat, UTVs. They beat the crap. Well,
1: let's talk about your playground for a second. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had visuals to support this, but like when you go to Spokane Valley Archery, and I'm going to call it post D Day.
2: <laughs> sure. Okay. Why not?
1: There's well, it's when, when life freaking, started over
2: for the better. <laughs>
1: there is like a legit fishing boat, like made for. For like bow fishing yeah. with the lights yeah. and on a trailer. Yeah. There's a giant flatbed with all this yeah. cool stuff for your property development up north, like yeah. water tanks and some 3D targets. This is all off memory just the other day. Yep. And still there's there. <laughs> several e-bike entertainment options whether it's an actual e-bike or <laughs> e-motorcycle like yeah. several there is a dirt bike in the back that's a wr 450 that looks like a pretty good one
2: yeah you want to um, buy it
1: <laughs> if it had electric start and then well, that's why i don't want it <laughs> and if you, uh, there's a couple there's a golf cart there's uh, the four wheelers there's utvs um there's a really big uh camper yeah, fifth, fifth wheel,
3: wheel. Yeah
2: um what did i miss um i think you covered all of it there oh there's a four-wheeler yeah there's a four-wheeler there's an enclosed cargo trailer there's a short four-wheeler trailer i need to sell that uh there's a heavy duty short trailer that i use for hauling like feed mm. or whatnot which is about the size of a four-wheeler but it's got one ton axles and you can really pull some weight on it put a metal deck on it yeah i got a lot of toys i like my toys that's uh definitely a hobby um and then you go up the house there's a slingshot you know that those are fun Um, my my RAM is still there. I need to sell it. I got to get that sold. But you
1: haven't sold your RAM yet.
2: No, I I actually just. Oh, I have a dump trailer too, and an excavator.
1: So the dump trailer is like the best purchase. I am in the market. My dad brought one over, and I'm like, dude, dad, that. I mean, it was so nice. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what are we talking? And he's like, 10k. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: And I was like, but I'm in the market. You, You,
2: dude, they work. They're so nice. I've, I've just got to move a bunch of dirt around so I'll, so your Ram uh, is a 2500. It's 2500. it's a 13. it's a mega cab long bed with a uh, fifth wheel setup and uh, camper package setup. It's got the strap downs, all that stuff or anything you'd want to do with it. Um, but it was a conversion so it's two frames welded together to make a long bed mega cab because you can't buy one of those. So it's got an eight foot bed and a mega cab. motor's been rebuilt, transmission's been rebuilt, it's got a new turbo in it. It's tuned, and the tuning's now perfect. Everything about it's good. And it's 10 years old now, so it's time to move on to something else. What's the and mileage? It only has like 110,000 original miles. My motor had to get rebuilt because the uh, there's a, a grid plate heater in them. And there's a bolt on one side, and somehow the solenoid got stuck open, and it melted the bolt, and it went down to the motor. Melted the bolt? Melted the bolt head off, and that bolt head went down into a cylinder. Oh. So we tore it apart, rebuilt it, put a small cam in it. I imagine a truck towing. got towed when that happened. It was still running. Wow. Yeah, it was still running. It was making... I had that uh, trailer that you talked about. It's got all the stuff for my property on it. I was I had that hooked on and was driving it to the property. when I pull, I made it to Sullivan and Sprague, the Harbor Freight right there. And like the last quarter mile before I got to there, I heard tak, 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 So I pulled over, parked it, called my mechanic, had him listen to it. He's like, yeah, you need to go back and park it and disconnect it and bring it down to my shop. Like you're not. And I was able to drive it there. But yeah, there was a, and and for a little while, like it stopped making the noise and then it would start again. Well, it was the piece of metal bouncing around in the cylinder and there's places where it would make noise and places where it wouldn't. (laughs) So I had to redo that. Um, The transmissions and those things are garbage. So I was like, well, if I'm going to rebuild the motor, I'm going to replace the transmission and bulletproof. Could
1: you grab an Allison and bring it into the...
2: Possibly, but I had a a shop in town that's really good with transmissions. Just make it bulletproof.
1: Jake's transmission shit the bed on his Ram. Mm Mm-hmm. And my favorite truck I've ever owned still to this day is a 13 Ram 2500 mm-hmm. wasn't a long bed because like you just said, they don't exist, but don't dude, exist. you need a long bed and yeah. a crew max couldn't, uh, couldn't keep that truck out of the mechanics. And yeah. I do a lot of wrenching, but I'm sorry, man. The third front end in less than a year, yeah, that's terrible. And then the two water pumps went yeah. out and that was under warranty. Like that was a recall. Yeah. And what else? I had a couple leaky pinions and I will say though. I've never. We had a thirty-three foot camper trailer, mm-hmm. and when that thing was behind the truck, I didn't even know it was there. Yeah, like that is truly the most raw torque I've ever had, and I had it tuned and all that, and it yep. was lifted. It looked good, mm-hmm. but I sold it because I was tired of like breaking down.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest issue with those, which I don't typically take that truck in the mountains, is mm-hmm. the front end so heavy that all your suspension gets jacked and your running gear gets jacked. It's just not really designed to be bouncing around with that much uh-uh. weight in the front uh-uh. of the motor. Um, but yeah, I, I pulled a. 14,000 pound fifth wheel with mine. And the only time you knew it was back there was when you started moving. That's it. Because it, it took a little bit to get you moving. But yep. once you were moving, it was like, mm-hmm. you put your foot down and it just take off. And now you have a, do you, you have a Chevy? You have a yeah, Tennessee? I have a 2022 long bed uh, crew cab uh, Chevy. It's a Chevy. It's a Chevy, uh, what do they call it? A high country. Yeah, the high country package. They had um, some dude, some rich dude in Montana that owned a construction company he had bought it while he was waiting for his Ford. Mm. So he had it for six months. Put a six-inch lift on it, thirty-five inch 20, on twenty twos. Um, the in-control airbags, motorized steps, oh, all God. the stuff you'd want to add to it, right? Full leather, loaded That's all so that. So
1: much thousands that you don't have to spend.
2: Uh, I had the receipts for it. It was eleven thousand dollars that he put yep. it into that truck that he bought for eighty-seven. Yep, um, and they sold it to me for eighty-two.
1: I bought a Tundra with brand, five thousand miles on it, brand new off the lot in fifteen.
2: Mm-hmm. And, it's funny I bought one a little before that, but I and
1: I wrote a check ago. because yeah. it was a business. I was buying it for my business, mm-hmm. and I kind of felt like a baller.
4: Right,
1: that thing was like forty five out the door mm-hmm. only eight years ago. Yeah, what's a brand new Tundras are now like seventy k.
2: Yeah, which is so dumb.
1: What happened to the truck prices?
2: Um, I think it's the American dollar versus the Japanese money more than anything. But huh. um, it was there were shortages and lots of them. Yeah, it's, it's still right. Uh, there were shortages and lots of them. And when that happened, the used market went up. And then coincidingly, the new market went up again to try to offset the yep, price of a used a vehicle. Because people were paying new price for used vehicles. Yeah, It's like, well, if they're willing to pay a new price for a used vehicle, we should probably raise the price of a new vehicle. And here we are. Now, granted, they're putting more electronics and more features and more... Crap in a truck, but it's not double. And yeah, I don't know. But our money's worth about. 20, so I'll be
1: holding on to less. the vehicles that I have right now,
2: <laughs> which is probably smart.
1: But it, it hurts because I really wanted to. Uh, I I I don't know. I wanted to get an incognito vehicle mm-hmm. for hunting because mm-hmm. I have a YouTube channel like you, and people have seen yeah. all my vehicles <sighs> yeah. and on Instagram. And I I mean I understand, mm-hmm. but like literally, I'm gonna give you an example. Yes. Two days ago, I made a story after I hung mm-hmm. out with you, I went and scouted mm-hmm. and it was about a two hour drive right. and it was a spot I had found many years ago and it's public. And honestly, when it comes to deer hunting, I'd, and I'll say this publicly, I'd rather hunt privately. Sure. I'd rather hunt private property.
2: Well, yeah, you, I don't, you don't have the concern of somebody finding your spot and ruining I can't your spot. control other hunters. You can't control other people.
1: And that's the main thing. So For I'm sure. like, yeah, this spot looks good. And I bet you there's elk. And it's Washington. So I was like, there might be an elk herd in there. Mm-hmm. I went and scouted the shit out of it after mm-hmm. I left and pulled all the ticks off my body from your archery range. And then I, I scouted the shit out of it, dude. I put out a cell cam, a regular cam. I found a couple sheds. Mm-hmm. And I found, like, I covered, I found some other guys' stands in there. And of course, they were like, like where right by you, the road. Yeah, where you would think. And mm. anyways, long story longer is um, I made a little story and then I kind of did a little screenshot of it on Onx, but I blurred out majority of it. Yeah, four people Told messaged me and said, "You're right here, aren't you?" And I was like, "I quit." Like I <laughs> you like I literally like yeah. I work with Onx. I was trying to do a thing for Onx. Sure. Uh, and because I used the shit out of Onx, yeah, it's a very it's not valuable worth tool. I'm just gonna like yeah. I'm only going to make stuff in post on a computer where I can do like a massive gaussian blur Mm -hmm. on the backdrop. Because So guys, people are really smart, and I always need to be reminded of that. So back to my truck, I need an incognito
2: truck. I'm telling you, like mid-2000s crew cab Tacoma. Yeah. Go anywhere, do anything with it. You can lock, lock your stuff inside the car without any kind of issue, as much gear as you need. And there's a ton of them floating around. So, yeah, but yeah. And then never, ever, 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 ever have it on video anywhere. Never. Ever. So they just don't know. Keep I it was, over at your buddy's house.
1: I was thinking like buying a Subaru, like Forrester or something and oh. putting a lot of like tree huggers transi- I didn't
2: know you transitioned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to talk. <laughs> oh,
2: I had to. You just walked <laughs> into that. How do you not? How do you not? <laughs> I was going to like let that one slide, but that was
1: good.
2: <laughs> Oh, o- Oatmeal and uh, yoga pads and all, all that. that. I was gonna yeah. have a
1: yoga mat in the back. If yeah. you looked in, and a couple
2: yeah. stickers. My buddy, uh, my buddy Dave, uh, put out signs uh, when he was camping in one spot one year that was hunting. That was about uh, gay pride and something else, like a couple, of, like positive. So like nobody'd come around because I thought it was a bunch of gay dudes.
0: Oh, that's a great
2: God. idea! Oh, genius! I think that is pretty
1: sharp. That's pretty freaking smart, man. Um, I think we're we're already in like <laughs> you know. Tricky waters right now. Well, so. you know,
2: you know, back in the day, Evans used to had a bunch of wall tents, and when he was hunting public land in Idaho, he'd go up to the entire drainage and make like eight camps, and make it look like there was eight different groups of people camping in the drainage, and they were all his. There's a sales rep
1: that you work with that does it does the that same too. Thing,
2: yeah, you probably heard it from Dan originally. Yeah. I bet, yeah. And hey, it's legal. Yeah, right? it's clever. It's just how it how clever. badly you want to hunt in. I've one been spot. fooled by it. Yeah.
1: I've been, the guy that yeah. I'm talking about
2: yeah. fooled me yeah. and
1: he told me and I was like, I, you can't get mad. You got to tip your hat. No, to. That's like, a lot of work. Like, I really thought there was eight guys back here.
2: Yeah. And how badly do you want to, you know, have your area stay yours and, yeah. you know, keep it, keep other people out of it. And you got to, I mean, I don't have that kind of time. I don't know how people can dedicate that kind of time to that.
1: I don't know. But let's talk about a few other little advanced, like what other advanced tactics can you do for public land? So when you talk to other hunters on public land, I generally try not to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with anybody. Um, I actually wear a face mask most of the time Mm -hmm. just um, just because I don't really want to stop and talk or whatever. And what else do I do? I I wear a helmet. Do you wear
2: like a, I'm a. I got a face mask or a camo face mask, oh, like an N95. That's
1: actually a really good idea. I'm actually going to carry oh a, a mask N95. A Karen mask. It, a Karen mask or Kevin. <laughs> and if I see anybody, I'm going to put it on and, and I'll be like, hey, how's it going? No handshakes, oh. fist bumps
2: only. Yeah.
1: Uh, and just, <laughs> that's actually, okay, that was it. There you go. I wanted to figure, there
2: you go. that's what I'm doing. Come, no, acro- come across as somebody that's in the woods would never want to talk to
1: I've you. met amazing people while hunting, but yeah. I will say it. It's probably a waste of time to sit there and lie to each other because I'm not going to tell sure. you what I really know. Sure. And you're not going to tell me what you really know. And well, that's
2: probably best. Well, but plus being a public figure, everybody automatically assumes wherever you are must be the best place to hunt. Mm. That, does not, that does, does not mean that at all. No. You're frequently moving around a lot because you think this area is going to uh-huh. be good. Yeah. You go in there and try to figure out it's not. You go somewhere else. Somebody sees you located there, and will like hunt there for the next five years because this must be the best place. Yeah, ever. you
1: have a one particular truck that cannot you cannot take honey now.
2: I can to my private property. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> nobody a, can go there.
1: It's a sick. What year is that? Yoda? That's a
2: '92 Toyota with a uh, a four cylinder uh, Cummins in it. Lifted, straight axled. It's like, really lifted. On. Yeah, well, you had to to clear the motor. Mm-hmm. Like, because once you straight axled the front, the straight axle had to go down. Like, Where is it, by the way? It's out in front of the house. Oh, okay.
1: It's time to interrupt this podcast and pay some bills. Give some shout-outs to my partners. These are the cornerstone to the Shape Grand. Shout-out to Matthews Incorporated, shooting the Phase 4 33, and 2023. Really excited about the split limbs. We're talking the quietest, most vibration-free bow on planet Earth. Shoot it at a local dealer near you. Vortex Optics running the UHDs, running the Viper 3000 for rangefinder. If you are in the market, Eurooptic.com discount code Elk10 takes 10% off. If you want some of that Vortex wear, including that Sun Slayer hoodie, discount code ElkShape takes 20% off. On X Hunt Elite membership discount code ElkShape 20% off access to all 50 states complimentary membership to top rut the most precise draw odds out on the market you also get hunt reminder never miss a draw deadline and it's the most robust platform proven in the backcountry for accuracy numa outdoors that is the hunting clothing i wear in the backcountry discount code elkshape 20 will take 20% off. Kufaro coming out with the new backpacks in 2023. The new bino harness. Check it out at Kufaro.net. Their website has been updated. Best backpacks, best frames on planet Earth. MacView Discount code Elkshape. 10% off. Digiscoping made easy. Made in America. Lifetime warranty. Wilderness Athlete. New discount code. 20% off. Elkshape 2023. Enter that. Check out the Elkshape packages. Links are in the show notes. You can see the Elkshape stack that I take year-round as well as my September stack and include the Mrs. Elk shaped Stack. Buck Knives made in the USA. They're my neighbor 20 minutes down the road since 1902. Two different style of knives for the backcountry this year. Check out the Pack Light Series. There's four different offerings there if you want to save weight or check out the new Alpha Scout or the Alpha Hunter. Both will be in my kill kit in 2023. Crispy Hunting. Brickstall's Mountain GTX. That is my new favorite boot. Been testing it for the last six weeks. Putting it through its paces. This is an awesome boot. It's got a flex rating of And it's very universal, well-rounded All mountain, all types of hunting Check it out You can order online And if it's not the right fit You can send it back for the right size Crispy is made in Italy Stealth Cam, non-cellular and cell They have a new cellular coming out Actually, I have my hands on it It's got on-demand So if you want to get a picture Anytime you want, you can press a button we also have the regular 4ks which i'm a huge fan of leaving trail cameras out year round especially on elk wallows discount code elk shape 20 will take 20 percent off on non-cell and elk shape 10 will take 10 percent off cellular marsupial get the enclosed bino harness with magnets never have brush debris in your bino harness and check out the new hip quiver as well that's just out as well as their bow case rifle case i rock them all Baku e-bikes discount code elk 300 off if you're in the market use where legal they are stealth mode and always black ovus 10% off any purchase discount code elk shape plus free shipping. And it's fast. Last but not least, we have sheep feet, fatty, alien gear, crossover symmetry, canvas cutter, discount codes in the show notes back to the podcast.
2: Yeah. It's uh, it's got an, an electrical draw on it somewhere. That's like, something's not turning off. Oh. So if I don't leave it hooked onto a trickle, it'll in four days, the batteries will be dead. That's not good. Yeah. And I forgot to do it once and it crushed. Who did uh, the rap there. on that? Uh, the place in, uh, between Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. They do like most of them in the country, I guess. They have like a massive They did my company. truck. Yeah, they do a great job. Which by the way, oh, I don't want to say, that. I did pull off majority of the decals on my truck. Which is probably smart. Yeah. I mean, your, I mean, your, your truck stands out, which is, you know, I don't, I've thought about doing that, but at the same time, I don't want to do that. You know, it's just like drawing, drawing attention to yourself, which is kind of why I, uh, I'm hoping that nobody really notices my dad's truck. Yeah, that I that I bought when yep. he passed away from my mom. Yep, and I'll probably take that a lot because it yep. it's not, doesn't stand out as much. It's totally low key, right? It is. Gas mileage is terrible, <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, it it stood up to a car accident and I got in. really When we well.
1: bought the Tundra, <laughs> I quit worrying about gas prices. You I, just have to ignore you it. You just have to take it on the chin. Yeah, that yeah. thing that 5.7 seven sucks. Um all right, Josh is here, guys. Backstory for those that don't know Josh. I met Josh. I we figured it out at one point, but somewhere around oh three, oh four, I bought a bow from him. My first real bow, mm-hmm. my big boy bow. Mm-hmm. I, my first bow purchase was I think an archery or pawn shop. I can't I don't it yeah. Was it a pawn shop? I think it was. It wasn't really an archery shop, but it was in Deer Park. And I didn't yeah, know yeah, anything.
2: That, well, no, there there was an archery shop in Deer Park and there was a pawn shop that sold archery stuff in Deer Park. <laughs> okay and
1: i don't i think it was an archery shop but that'd be a white tail plus then i went in there i don't even remember exactly what happened i just went in there and bought a martin cougar yeah and then i actually went in there again and bought my dad a bow for father's day Mm a martin pantera and we used you know the old easton xx uh xx 75 yeah 75s and uh, on, had a Walmart type target and we had 10 acres and we just shot in our property with handheld uh, not, uh, with indexes mm-hmm. and we put tree stands up on our property and we hunted elk. Mm-hmm. We hunted elk really hard. And I remember, you know, there was a couple things that influenced me, but it was magazines that were like the Hoyt marketing really got me. And I was like, I, th-
2: I really want to really buy
1: good. a Hoyt. Yeah. It worked. And I went, yeah. I did research and I figured out there was an archery shop like a legit one so i went to yours and mm-hmm. i bought one from you mm-hmm. and the rest is history i was in the hunting industry probably like in 06 really like kind of cemented in got an article a column in bow hunter um that's not a big deal by the way but like that's it was to me it was an yeah, honor
2: back then that was a pretty big deal i didn't big hardly know me. anybody that did
1: And so I would come in, and I was a little pretentious in the fact that I would not let any of your slappies touch my stuff Mm -hmm. from the word go. I was like, I will only deal with Josh while he's with the customer. I will wait until he's done. It could be a while. I was like, I don't care. And that's kind (laughs) of how how our relationship started. I I recognized immediately, this guy's a freaking wizard, Mm -hmm. and it went from there. Now, when did I finally get you? To come on screen, to, to do YouTube. I know it took years of prying.
2: I, you know, I actually went back and tried to look and figure it out. Like, how long have I actually shown up on your channel? It's been more than seven years, I'm pretty okay. sure. Somewhere in that vicinity when I first started being willing. Maybe six, seven, something like that. And how many years did it take of prying? Oh, like a decade. Yeah. Like I I was like, Dan, I don't have time. And the, the reality of it was I didn't think it would help anybody. Because no. I didn't. I didn't see it, you know, I didn't see how, I only knew my own area, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, and there was a lot of knowledge in my area and largely because I'd been there for a long time and tried to educate people and taught people in the area. And I'm sure there were some other people as well that contributed to that. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I was the most consistent, longest tenured thing in the area. So I have to kind of take a little bit of credit for it. But um, I didn't see how making a YouTube video was going to help anybody. Honestly. Yeah. I'm I just a, I just didn't. And, and I, was I didn't like, have I a
1: compelling argument. Really. And I was like,
2: I don't have the time, man. I'm like, yeah. what, am, what am I doing? And I actually, I'll, to be completely honest, I did it to shut you up. Because <laughs> you wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> I was like, Dan, I like you. It's fun. It's a good time. This is a waste of my time. Yeah. So I picked my least needed time in a week. Yep. I <laughs> you know remember. I mean? Wednesday at 8 a.m. Between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. That's what you, get. you
1: gave me an hour. And then somehow I got you to do it again. Like I got to yeah. do it
2: a regular schedule. Well, I, when you did your first camp was when I became convinced it was actually valuable. Yeah. Before that. Cause I hadn't had a, a lot of interaction with people out of the area. Right. And everybody on that camp was not from here. There was like one guy from here. That
1: was the furthest reaching
2: camp we've that, ever done. That was a very large eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. At the lack of knowledge and information available to a lot of different people. Now, granted, I'm sure there's, There's probably areas that have a lot of good information, a lot of good knowledge, and maybe they don't show up to something like that. But there is way more that don't than do. I can can attest. Yeah, my response has been that by far.
1: I've now visited double-digit archery shops in the country doing Mm -hmm. the camps. Um, There's something special you got going on at Spokane Valley Archery. Uh, I hadn't been there in months, and I went out and shot just the other day. I was like, god dang this is like a stroke of gratitude hit me i was like this is the coolest little archery shop in the world because it's not like in town but it's Mm -hmm. not far and it has this how many acres 3d course uh
2: the whole facility is on 13 acres and the archery range is probably on the 3d course is probably on nine of it or eight, eight or nine of it and it's so good it's so good it's gonna be a lot better
1: well, I'm excited for that, and I'm also yeah. excited for that I um, get to write you a check for a lot of right. money to get my
2: first a standing full real size elk target. Reinhardt. <laughs> I could buy
1: one cheaper at a attack used, but like it's a hassle, it's a gamble. It I is. was like, thank you for. I, I don't want to throw into the bus, but I might have gotten a better price by buying it through you or from you. We'll just leave it at that. But I'm mm-hmm. excited to have that. Yeah um and with you upgrading the targets and all the targets are in really good shape right now i just shot the yeah. course there wasn't any like even the moose the iconic moose
2: shot mm-hmm. we need to replace the core soon but it's still every uh, every target on that course has a core coming too cool so i'm not getting rid of any of the targets and i'm doubling up again speaking of so there'll be core a replacements.
1: Two i got a giant box um mm-hmm. smooth on mm-hmm. is a company that does like repair kits for 3d archery oh is that
2: the one that you use for that yeah. i saw i saw that little uh i did it core wrong. Video you did we did it wrong
1: <laughs> yeah, i made it so dense that i shot my first arrows into it and i couldn't get them
2: out i totally forgot i was going to show up with a replacement core for you because i have a bunch of them at the shop and i was like dude these are cheap what are you doing I, I okay so anyways yeah i talked to the guys
1: you really gotta do it like if you do it out when it's really hot mm-hmm. it'll expand way more if you do it cool in a basement it'll get very dense I did the ladder. Cool in the basement. Anyways, yeah. I don't have a bunch of targets to replace, and I have a giant box of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You should take that from me okay. and use it. It is awesome, and it's um visually like that reel got 130 thousand views in a couple days. I know, ne- I th- yeah, I almost didn't even put it as a reel.
3: Yeah,
1: um, so. The visuals of mixing the stuff oh, right yeah. the no, instructions.
2: I, I saw I watched it. It was really cool. So I have a neat. big box. Like so I stared at it. I was t- like, Ooh, t- take that cool. off my
1: hands. Okay. And if you need to replace anything and do it outside actually when it's
2: hot. Well, it's hot. Yeah. 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 You're supposed to do it in a warm environment, from my what bad. I
1: understand. But it's great stuff. And it's well, good how one.
2: how about I give you a replacement core for the one you jacked? Up? Do, yeah. I love <laughs> that. How's that? Then I
1: can cut out and get my uh, expensive uh, iron wheel components out of the middle of it. Oh, did
0: you lose parts? Oh yeah.
1: Oh no. Mm. Oh jeez. I want to talk to Josh about tuning. You guys are all watching and listening because most of you should know Josh. We've basically done stuff together for a long time and we've been friends forever. And uh, I will say this, Josh has always had my back. He's the kind of guy. I'm not going to make you cry on this one, but <laughs> I do want to say publicly thank you. I was telling my wife this. I was like, I bitch about Josh all the time. I he drives me nuts, but he's like a stepbrother. We're like I all that Whatever happens doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, I can look at our history, and you've always given the shirt off your back to me. And the best example is I cut my string, mm-hmm. possibly with a broadhead, right before a Maybe. hunt <laughs> with a bow that was for proving grounds mm-hmm. with Matthews. Mm-hmm. So it's a bow that you can't really you like. can't replace it. I call Josh with very short notice and he's like i'll stop what i'm doing i'll make you i'll hand make you a string not the cable but a string for you Mm -hmm. and i and i just remember i was like i'm never gonna forget this i and i'm not like dude you stopped everything to help me and you've always done that you've always helped me given me any gear i needed or whatever and and yeah so i'm happy to see your success you've killed it in the last three years i would say Actually, I think it's only been two. Two? Okay. It's been two. Talk about that growth because it is humbling. And mm-hmm. I know you don't probably want to talk about it, but it is inspiring. And maybe look back now, kind of like, wow, here's a couple of clues that led to this. Mm-hmm. Here's some decisions I made that turned out to be pretty good. And if you're willing, maybe here's a couple of decisions I made that were dumb. To,
2: sure. I mean, you're killing it. Well, um, I guess I'd start by... You know, I watched a few YouTube videos. Before we started doing this, I think the first three years, I refused to watch one. If you remember, you need I, yeah. you need to go watch this one. It was really good. I'm not watching it, Dan. Yeah. You need to comment. I'm not reading it. I don't care. I'm not looking at it. Yep. This is this is, This is. Do remember. This is not important. I don't care. <laughs> there was there was one. Could you please, please, please just comment back on this one? It's like, no. I told you I'm not <laughs> looking at it. I'm not doing it. I don't want any involvement in it. If it helps, great. I yeah. want nothing to do with it. I hate social media. I wanted so much not to do it. And I think the reality of it coming off as authentic and real as it is, is because I don't want to do it. I feel like I have to, because I don't think it's a lot of it's not being done right. And that's where my, my own channel came to be as far as looking at products. Cause obviously you, you have products you can talk about and products you can't, and I can talk about whatever I want because I have zero sponsorships and will not take money from anybody period. They might send me stuff to test or play with or give away. That's yeah, fine. But there's no but, obligation when they yeah, do that. I'll like you might not like what I have to say. True. And we might not do be friends after this. And that's fine, but I'm just going to be honest and that's the and reality. And that builds trust with the audience. It builds trust. And I've had a couple of people like waffle over it and I'm like, "Look, understand. I'm never going to say everything's fantastic because that's what's wrong with everything that's out there. Mm-hmm. Every bit of good that you see, every bit of review that you see, least now maybe they're a little different but before it was all this is the best bow i have ever shot in my entire life and then a week later this is the best bow i have ever shot in my entire life it's like well hold on a second that's bullshit yeah that's not true so i was like how how can i like show this and not get in trouble because i mean i'm i sell all these companies right yeah if i start talking shit they might go we don't want to sell to you anymore yeah. There's consequences. There's real world consequences that can't exist. I just hope that my accounts large enough that they'll be like, uh, yeah, maybe the next review will be good. That's a good that spot kind of to be. It's it it is. Like there's taking my business away is a pretty damning thing for them. So That was
1: a calculated risk, really. It
2: it was. Um, but I, I went I can't do this and not be honest. Like True. there's no way I can't. So I went, okay, well, we can measure things. We can test things in the environment they're supposed to be tested in. But we're not going to test things in a manner in which is unusable, mm. right? So we we shot at the speeds that the shot at the weights and measurements that they say they are, yeah, to get the speeds that they get. But we used an actual functional error rest and an actual string loop, which they don't, mm-hmm. um, to ensure that what we're getting is something that you can get at home. Like what I'm testing, yeah. you can achieve. And they call you know, that IBO speed. Uh, yeah, I think it's called IBO anymore. Why I'd have to. Why do they? Look. Why the? Use my language.
1: Why the effery? Why don't they like... Why the fuckery? Because they
2: think the faster bow is going to sell more than the slower bow. And when you make a bow last year that shot this, and then the bow you come out with next year is slower, their sales go down. Yeah. Because one, you can't sell the guy who's chasing speed another bow if the next bow is slower. True. And for a long time, speed really drove this industry. I think you're going to see that go away completely. I don't think you're going to see a whole bunch of, we have the fastest bow on the planet, blah, blah, blah. Because, well, one, they can't really achieve much faster than they've already got without really changing how a bow looks or functions. Does it, PSE
1: it, still kind of have the, who makes arguably out of the main brand manufacturers? So don't include APA. Uh, I don't even know who that is, so no. Canadian
2: company. Okay,
1: yeah. who makes the fastest bow? Like straight um,
2: up. Probably PSE yeah. right now, if you had to actually measure it, but who also makes the hardest pulling bow? because mm. speed and difficulty of cycle mm-hmm. directly correlate if you were to graph which i've had people ask you know what wh- i've asked what do you want me to add to these videos right They want to draw a curve they want to draw a curve at okay. every inch and i'm like i could do that but it would probably take you know 15 20 minutes so that adds another 15 20 minutes to every bow review of my time to make mm. um which you know i might Can you just
1: say hey this was really stiff in the beginning
2: that is what i say
1: This was actually really easy pull. That is what I say. Oh, this guy's full of shit. That's the
2: best pulling bow I've ever shot. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, what'd you compare it to? How many
1: bows have you pulled back in
2: your life? Million? Yeah.
1: So, shut up.
2: Well, yeah, but there's there's always going to be a Karen out there, and it really doesn't matter what I do or how thoroughly I get. There's still going to be some Karens, but I don't
1: care. I'm doing a better job of not commenting back to negative ones. No. The only kind of negative one I commented back, you saw... And it wasn't it was, negative, it, it, it actually made it funny. And uh, you'll see that video coming out. That, that so comment good. is, bi- that you so get to good. see it.
2: I don't have an OnlyFans. Yeah, darn All it. Right? I do not. So give me your three best decisions would be a, you made would be in the last thing.
1: two years. Like three decisions that maybe, looking back, or like catapulted you to where, just to give context, your online sales day-to-day is insane. The amount of inventory you're buying, like your balls are dangling out there, bro. Like you're putting a lot of capital up front and yeah. a lot of goodwill. Yeah. Um, like, what are three decisions, in no particular order, that have helped you? Well, one was just
2: dumb luck. Um, I was already doing the online game, but it was with like uh, closeouts and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I had gotten I'd gotten to where most major brands were calling me before they actually bothered to try to release a closeout list. That's true. And they just call me because
1: you'd and, have some weird shit you your know, upstairs. Did, yeah,
2: and, and and none of it was in the store. Like right. none of it was visually downstairs. Yeah. It was all just hey, there's this there's this whole thing of they've got X amount of, these, X amount of these, X amount of
1: like Quest bows or something. No, it wasn't Quest. Was it? uh no. I just remember at one point you're like, I got three hundred of these bows, and I'm like, I've never even heard of those. And you're like, Yeah, yeah. I'm selling them on eBay and online, and yeah, and they're going out the door. Yeah. So you had good. You had a good fundamental like know-how to sell stuff online.
2: Well, I would made my business the previous uh, seven years probably of growing my inventory, but it was mostly in that. Yeah. So I still would carry a lot of good products and uh, more inventory in a pro shop than anybody else anywhere near me even had at that time, not counting the closeout stuff. Uh, and some of the closeout stuff was just really good products that were just really good deals. So we would put a, a few things downstairs. We're like, hey, this is really a really premium thing and it's 30% lower than it would normally mm. be. So, hey, let's, it, it's a good deal to a customer. We can pass that on. Yeah. Some of the stuff was just like, ah, this is a little fucky. We'll just sell it online and yeah. let the world decide if they like it or not and not have it affect our local people. Um, but when COVID happened, shops didn't have inventory. And mm. I was easily, I mean, Lancaster probably had more than me simmons might have had more than me there might have been three four places in the country maybe five that had more inventory in their possession than me and if anybody remembers back to then if they were in archery or not it was really hard to get product
0: impossible and and i
2: had really large um, accounts with all these people yeah like i had high credit high volume right and they're used to me buying a lot of stuff so your average guy, if like, let's say he's dealing with a rest company, he's buying $10,000 in rests a year. He can't pick up the phone and say, I'll take $50,000. They won't sell them to him. It's like, well, your credit line is ten. So unless you pay for this upfront, we're not selling it to you. Right? Well, I had really deep lines. So I could go in and... so the, Let me back up. Number one good decision was just dumb luck. I happened to have a lot of product when COVID happened and everybody ran out of product. And I subsequently sold almost every single thing I had from that time that year, which I frequently would have stuff that I knew was going to take me a couple of years to move through, Yeah, right? So that was great. That was good. And then once we got through the first couple of weeks, you know, three, four weeks, and then we realized what was going on, that there was going to be some restrictions, people were going to have to be socially distant, that kind of thing, you know, realizing that. And I'm like... Well, you can't buy a gun hardly at all because every gun got sold. Like, and I, I had distributors that sell guns, and i go and look at what their inventory is, and it was gone. Mm.
4: Like, there
2: was no ammo. Mm. There's no guns. There's no nothing. Yep. So if you want to shoot something, you were going to be restricted to a bow and arrow if you hadn't already bought what you wanted. Right. And if you had a gun, you probably weren't shooting it for fun because you couldn't get ammo. None. Right? None. So I looked at that and went, this is going to go for a long time as far as a demand in this sport. So I started dealing with every manufacturer that I would deal with on a regular basis and I'd call them on Monday, say, what's your lead time? And then I would increase my order more than whatever their lead time was. And I did that. So this was decision number two that was big. Mm. I didn't hide into the fear of this is kind of, this whole thing is going to come crashing down and fall apart. And I just need to survive my business and not be stuck with a lot of inventory. So as the, uh, as the world changed and the demand went up, I already had orders in the system, and most people didn't. Yeah, so that put me so far ahead of everybody else because if you give manufacturer programmed orders, yeah, they automatically go into their book and they have to fulfill them. So I have, I at one point had orders out eighteen months with certain people. Yeah, like if their lead time was bad, I was going to give you eighteen months worth of orders. So you were going to ship me product.
1: I.e. landslides. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah.
2: I still have a ton of them and you still can't hardly find one somewhere. No. I get them regularly, constantly. They're not as bad anymore. They're only like two months. Okay. But they were 14 months or 15 months at one point. I actually, they they do business in a really weird way where they wouldn't send you a partial order. So if you ordered 10 things, they wouldn't send it until they had all 10 things. Hmm. So I called my rep and went, okay, you are going to hate me, but here's what I want you to do this is the product that I want and gave him a list and I want it every two weeks and I want each one of these things on its own order. (laughs) Yep. I'll play the game. (laughs) I gave him a million dollars worth of orders and I think I crashed their system when he tried to enter them. Yep. Because they could, there were so many different orders for me in there. Yep. And so they finally started going, okay, we'll we'll send you partials. I'm like, look, Either you send me partials or I'm going to give you individual orders for the items. Cause I'll I don't care if you life. have one thing or nine things. I want the one thing. And the rep has this type those up. That's how he makes I it. Like, that's why I was like, <laughs> you're going to hate me, dude. And he's like, I dude, I get it. I want you to get product. Cause I get paid if you get product. So if you don't get product, I don't get paid either. That, so I'll do it. That's a stroke of genius, man. Well, that's you, cool. You just, you gotta, I, I had to several manufacturers that how they did business and how they, what they did with your orders. I had to change how I mm, order things to fight how they were doing it to ensure that, hey, my order came up. You need to send me product. Mm. You can't just back burner it because it's 20 times larger than the next guy's or 40 times larger than the next Not guy's. Not cool. No, I mean, we're still trying to operate business and my credit says I can have it. I pay my bills on time. Yep. I'm a large account with you. You need to send me product, like period. And yep. there was there was a couple companies that still wouldn't do it. Hmm. Like they're like, well, we don't want so and so to, you know, struggle and whatnot. I'm like, well, but I'm struggling. I have commitments. I have obligations. It's not like I'm living in a mansion here. I'm not making a crap ton of money, and I have employees and buildings and things that yeah. you need to get paid for. So you can, you can think you're benefiting this small little guy right here, but you're hurting me. Yeah. And I know you probably feel like I can take it, but. Either you play fair or you don't, and let me know what the rules are, and I will adjust to whatever your rules are. I don't True. care what they are. Mm. But you better abide by what they are. And one particular company did me dirty three times. They gave me the rules, I put my orders in by the rules, and then they didn't ship my order. Three different times. I was mad. I was hot mad. Like
1: it's your I based though.
2: this off of what you told me to do. right? And then you changed what you're doing. Mm-hmm, and you only mm-hmm. changed it for me it doesn't help that I was trying to order like three quarters of what they can make. But it's like, you can't just do that. Either you, you got to tell me how it is. And so I stopped going through them and actually went through another channel to ensure that they couldn't dick with it. But it, it's it's just the struggles that you face, you know, when, it, and when you... Kind of a moving target, really. I have pivoted so many times hmm. in my life, it's stupid. Like I was the anti-online and I was the anti-low um, margin product so, guy. Like if it didn't reach a certain margin... I wouldn't carry it. Like, period. I didn't care if if everybody walked in asking for it. The margin on it's garbage, so I'm not going to put it on my wall. I'll order it if you want it, but I will not stock it. And I've gone from that to I don't care what the margin is. I'll carry everything. That's good.
1: Yeah, so you said luck slash timing.
2: Luck slash timing. The second one was being more clever than everybody good else. Good purchasing practices. Good purchasing practices sure.
1: Which I will I've already told you that before. I think you're really good at buying. Yeah. Um that you yeah. have to be. Lastly, third one.
3: After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a 3-month plan, I thought, "What's the catch?" But after talking to them, it all made sense.
0: MidwayUSA.com.
2: Oh, God. Um,
1: early to bed, early to rise, work all day, advertise, marketing. Your marketing stepped up quite a bit Yeah, as
2: well. Yeah, I'll give you that. Well, and I, I, I've I, always had the work ethic too, but it's been like kicked up in here. I think I've, I've probably averaged 70 to 80 hours a week since beginning COVID stuff. Yeah. And I just haven't stopped because it's just been continually going. But yeah, um, the... One of the greatest things I probably did was start my channel, yeah, it did I, I couldn't believe how much that directly related back to my website sales, but it's a large portion of it, and it is very smart to do, yeah, you really, especially if you can get some traction if you can get some traction to where the uh the algorithm shows your stuff, yeah. more you're just you're getting your exposure out to more people. I don't know if a, a local guy will benefit as much, but I think YouTube even pays attention to the local people around I think the it local does person because. Everybody sees my stuff.
1: You're one your... banger away from blowing up your channel. One banger video. Yeah. Like you, you have the right thumbnail, you have the right title, mm. something about it, the way it flows. Um, I you know, Tim busted your balls to do that channel for a long time. He did. He's pretty convincing too. So, but you're also pretty hard headed. So it took a while, but it, took a while. it did, uh, it did work out well. It was so another
2: one of those things, I don't have so much time. How is this going to be valuable?
1: Well, look what you had to do. You had to buy stuff, yeah. camera gears, lights. Oh, yeah. Hire videographers, editors, teach yourself, yeah. um, and then make time for it and then make yeah. studios. And like if you look back, I bet in the last two years, I bet you've spent I don't know how many thousands of dollars 20, on
2: stuff. Yeah. Twenty pretty easily. It's a good investment. Honestly, there is an ROI. It is. It is. No, it was very it was very wise and very smart. now anymore, if I'm like in the last six months, somebody says, You need that. Okay. Send me a link, I'll buy it. You showed up with mics that weren't connected by wire or that you had separate memory cards and actually recorded it right back to the camera. Boom. A bomb the next day. Exactly. $300. I don't care how much there. That's yeah, That saves mean, time. I like do the every, same
1: thing yeah. with my camera guys. The other yeah. day, Tyler was like, dude, you need UV filters for all these lenses. I was like, boop, beep, boop, boop. Okay, I'll be here in two days. Like yeah. there's there's certain things you just can't mess around. I wanted to ask you because I've never asked this question before and it's maybe you know about it, maybe you don't. So the Pittman-Robinson Act. 20 years and you've never asked me this question. This Pittman-Robinson Act. Mm-hmm. What, how does that work for you that, cause you sell s- stuff that gets that tax. Like mm-hmm. when 11%. you, it's a lot, like does so the manu, your mom, do, your, your manu, mom does the books.
2: The manufacturer pays it.
1: Okay. So how does that work?
2: So whenever somebody, I thought you were paying it. Here's the, no, I do not have to pay it. The manufacturer has to pay it. And okay. so when, and it's, and here's the, how do I say this? Here's the really fucky part. Okay. It's on stuff made in the States, but not made in the States. It's not. Yeah. That's. That, which is why so much of this stuff gets imported is because it saves 11% to have it made somewhere else. And uh-huh. it transferred it here. Uh, at least that's the way it used to be. I don't know if they changed okay. that. But regardless, anybody nice. who manufactures an archery product pays an 11% excise tax to the government because they made an archery product. That goes into a fund to fund public facilities okay. and ranges. Right? So there's a, if you ever go to a, an archery range that just looks stellar and it's free, or something like that that's where that money came from gotcha right it's it's intent or its purpose is to grow archeries uh, places to do archery uh, i want to say it's in grangeville or somewhere around there there's a really nice facility down there and it's all money from that mm-hmm. like nobody built it somebody got grant money for it but that's where those dollars go and there's a ton of it like if you want to try to start an archery range or something find, research that because mm-hmm. there is free money for that purpose and that's where that free money comes from Comes from eleven percent excise Manufacturers tax. paying Yep, it. manufacturer pays it. I don't pay it.
1: I always thought you they were you're the tax collector, I thought. But
2: okay. That, uh sales tax.
1: Yeah, I, obviously, but I thought maybe yeah. you're collecting for the federal as well. All mm-hmm. right. That answers that. Okay. Uh I wanted to do this thing, guys, where we asked Josh to dumb it down. Now we might get in the weeds, but I promise <laughs> to police this towards after we check this box of I got a new bow. Mm-hmm. I want to get it tuned. Mm-hmm. Can you dumb it down step-by-step of what you need to do?
2: Are we talking build or just the tune process?
1: Well, you know, let's start with the tune process. Let's assume there's a rest installed semi-correctly to manufacturer spec. Let's assume there's some decent strings on there. Are we assuming
2: the bow's wheeling tuned already and timed?
1: I don't think you can assume that. Okay. All
2: right. So let's say the bow's built. It's got like good quality strings on it. Cause if you don't put good quality strings on it, you're just going to redo this over and over and over. So it's kind of a waste of time. And that is like the most important thing. I do not want you to skip over that guys. I have really <sighs> so witnessed hard. this. Like
1: one thing Nick Fisher did teach me, I'd never measured the, to the thousands of serving on your string. Yeah, serving diameter. And sure. uh, he showed me a certain manufacturer that I had on my bow and it was like, don't smile. You know what I'm talking about. It was like 119, and he was telling me his sweet spot for him was like 108, 108 109, 109, and Dan 109. Evans is 109, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I got to reserve this string. Mm-hmm. So anyways, like, yeah, su- super important. And now remember, there was a few years there. I'm not going to say what bow it was, but people will be able to figure it out. But that was out of tune after m- every month. I'd bring it in and be like, Josh, mm-hmm. my bow's out of tune. Mm-hmm. Strings matter.
2: Strings are probably the most important thing you can put on your bow, which is why I emphasize it so much.
1: And you rock gas.
2: Uh, gas has been really good to us. They, uh, they fulfill orders really fast, really you well. You won an we, award. We actually stopped, uh, well, we were a, a top 10 dealer or something like that the first year, and we didn't start till April. Sick, man. We're number one dealer in the country right now for gas. Boom. That's yeah. cool. Uh, that's they huge. make good product. Uh, the, that's not to say they're the only one that does. There's a, there's some really good stuff out there. Yeah. It's more um, the materials they're using, and if it gets a good stretch on it, before it gets served, which is what I always used to do when I built them. I'd put them in a jig and leave them in there under stress for a long period of time, which you can do on a small scale, but it's kind of hard to do on a large scale. Mm. Um, but most of them know which fiber materials give and which, and which ones don't, and most of them are paying attention to that when they build it. So if you build it with the right material, You got a really good likelihood of it not stretching because if it stretches and it's noticeable right away, they're going to get a phone call. Yeah. And they got to rebuild a set of strings and send the guy a new set of strings, (laughs) right? That costs them money. So it's to their detriment. It's it's beneficial to make a product that doesn't stretch because it's most notable. and is aware of it anymore. But regardless, like I said, there's a lot of good companies out there. Put good strings on your bow. Don't like I'd rather spend that $150 or whatever you're paying for them on that than a nicer site. Or a nicer rest, because the cheaper rest probably isn't going to move. The cheaper sights probably not going to move. I guarantee you, cheaper strings are going to move. Fact. You can't have crap move and have it keep functioning. So, assume we have good strings on there. You set your ideally. I don't think this is super critical, but people will get geeky about it. Measure your axle to axle and your brace height, and shorten or lengthen these strings and cables till those match. Right. Start match there. the specs. Match the specs of the manufacturer. Gotcha. One, it's always good to be able to go back and check it. Yeah. Because if they're both stretching equally, your timing will still look right. But yeah. it's actually getting longer and it's changing some things. So that's a good starting point. And then once you get the axle-to-axle and brace height measurement correct, then you want to check timing and orientate, shorten or lengthen, which you should always shorten, not lengthen, because these things are going to get longer. They're not going to get shorter. Yeah. So if you end up a tit shorter, you're better off because it is going to give a little bit at some point. It just hopefully gives equally. Mm-hmm. So set your timing at that point. Right, And then check your wheeling. If you, depending on what bow you have, you may not check your wheeling until you try to tune the bow. Right? If you skip that step, have your arrow rest 13 16 and have your right spine arrow and shoot it through paper and you get a hole, your wheeling's probably good.
1: So when we pick the arrow, the main thing to pick, regardless of all the options out there, is to get a properly spined arrow? Oh, 100%. And not underspined.
2: Underspined is the dangerous thing. Okay. Overspined is kind of safe. Like if you're on the verge or the edge, according to a chart of what you should use, probably go stiffer. Okay. Just to be safe. Yeah. And then if you look at that stiffer arrow and go, oh, it's too heavy, then maybe look at a different brand or a different product and get the GPI that you're looking for at an appropriate spine. But almost everybody in general nationally is probably shooting too weak of an arrow. If you have a stiff enough arrow, it'll always perform. A weak arrow will not. Now, ideally, you want the optimum spine because you're getting the most efficiency for velocity for energy. If you overspine an arrow and it weighs more, you're losing velocity. You're getting a titch of energy, but you're losing velocity, and your energy is based off of spine. It's not really based off of physical weight. It's based off of the appropriate flex or energy transfer based off of stiffness. Taking into account how much front weight you have, how much vein weight you have, those all matter. But getting the right spine arrow is super important. If you're on the edge, don't go weaker, go stiffer. It's always going to work better. You'll never find somebody who went a little stiffer and goes, this just doesn't work as good. That doesn't happen.
1: I've heard maybe a little bit of like right-hand shooters having a too stiff narrow arrow go slightly left a little bit or something. If it's, but how way, hard is it if it's to, like way too stiff. How hard is it to not make it stiff though? You can manipulate things. Add right? a little tip weight.
2: Yeah, there you go. Uh, What's harder to make a weak arrow stiffer hundred percent. Like really hard. It's way easier to make a stiff arrow weaker.
1: hundred percent. Now yeah. you got all this stuff. You've maybe you haven't checked wheeling yet, but you definitely have in time. You have a rest set up proper. Mm-hmm. You have your center shot, which mm-hmm. is basically a 90 degree angle, mm-hmm. right? Where the arrow is coming out true. Most, most both. Ish.
2: Most both. If most you have equal and opposite eccentrics, so the wheel above and the wheel below and the cable track above and the cable track below are exactly the same. Then yes, it will be level. If they're not the same, yeah. it might not be level. You might because when you draw that back, the knock end based yeah. off of the orientation may change. And where it is back here is what matters. Just like wheel lean, when you draw the bow back, where the wheels are pointed at each other at draw is what matters on how it's going to tune, not at rest. Right. But everybody's checking those at rest. That's kind of important. But so yeah. you can skip the wheel lean step and run it through paper and see if you get a good hole. To start. If you don't get a good hole, don't move your arrow rest. You need to start manipulating your wheeling based off of the hole you get. If you get a point right tear, you need to move your cams to the right if you're a right-handed person. If you get a point left tear, you need to move them towards the left. So whichever way your point is, is the way you move the cams to try to manipulate that out. And I will have... Minimum four part video series on walking you through how much you move it and how much it changes a tear for this type of bow, mm-hmm. that type of bow, mm-hmm. for wheeling and how much shim is. And I'm doing a, a series of shimming and which shims change how much. So if you've got a, you know, a, a laser alignment, if you're using a spot hog laser tool and you're pointing at your cam and you see it moving this far over, yep. how much of a change is it going to take to hopefully get you pointed at the cam? So you don't have to sit there and do it like three times. I figured if I just went through and did a video with all of them and you could see how much it moved each one, it would help you slow down, or narrow down how much you need to change it. So like maybe you're that. not intimidated. Do the same thing with Hoyt. Do the same thing with PSE. Just did the one with Botech, but Botech's cheating because it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, those will all come out in the next The nice thing about or
1: wheeling or cam orientation or whatever you guys want to call it uh, from my experience is like, it's kind of a one and done type thing, Yeah, you know? Like, I've never had you have to redo wheeling.
2: As long as you don't have fixed fi- uh, string yokes, you won't have to redo it. Right. Unless, okay. And if you do have to redo it, you might want to take a look at your bearings. Oh, yeah. Because the only way that moved is if your bearing shifted. Like the balls that's inside there that everything's rotating on. If one of those pops and the balls shift, then the cam can rotate. But if you don't have a movable cable guard and that hasn't changed out, there's no way your left to right changed. Okay. Unless you went from not torquing the bow to torquing the piss out of the bow that's possible so yeah you adjust your wheeling for tune get a good hole and i don't mean a kind of good hole like a perfect hole if you get a perfect hole and you have the right spine arrow your shaft or broadhead are going to strike the arrow pretty damn close to it okay and then from there if you're a target shooter and you're shooting a target setup and you're ever going to put a fixed blade broadhead on the bow your shaft make sure you've got your shaft weight identical and weight on the back of the arrow where the fletchings are, just like you did with Nick, that's exactly what you should do if you are a target shooter. If you are a fixed blade bow hunter and you are going to practice with your broadheads as you all should to ensure that they all shoot the same, that is important. I don't recommend shaft tuning in that scenario because the broadhead and the shaft on a fixed blade broadhead are going to do the same thing. So it's a redundant step. Mm -hmm. It's an extra step that you're going to do the exact same thing with. And when you shoot a shaft, let's say it's crazy bad, you're gonna break that arrow. Whereas yeah. with a with a, with fixed blade or miss the whole target, honestly, but your fixed blade's still gonna do the same thing. But something about having fletching on the back of it won't allow the arrow to keep going. It'll like pull it back a little bit, so you don't snap your arrow. Okay, so that's part of why I say just go to the broadhead because at least you won't break your arrow.
1: From a fundamental standpoint of shooting, um, what's your thoughts on? I'm just throwing this at you. Mm-hmm. What if you got this everything like you just said and you mm-hmm. had six bare shafts mm-hmm. with some electrical tape or whatever on the back to match your fletch so the total weight's the same mm-hmm. and why you, would you have six <laughs> let's Just so you have a half a dozen <laughs> okay okay you fletch six you didn't fletch six you take okay. those six that are on fletch uh-huh. and you kind of stand there in your garage a few meters away from the target and you mm-hmm. shoot through paper mm-hmm. and all you're trying to do is check your continuity, your consistency of your arrows. And then once Mm -hmm. maybe you establish like twisting the knock a few times and you get those to be all pretty congruent, then you know that you can do that repeatedly Mm -hmm. to see if you're actually like...
2: So you're referring to knock tuning.
4: A
1: knock tune slash audit on your technique also. Oh, okay. Because I think all this bear shaft talk, which Mm -hmm. I've never done a lot of it, I kind of like it, but Mm -hmm. I don't love it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I know how to skip to the end. Mm-hmm. Ask my wife. I can skip foreplay. Um, <laughs> is it's cool, but like I do think there's something said like especially in the off season about like Dan. shooting close
2: to Dan. paper. Foreplay is really important. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm a married man of 14 years. I know this. Obviously um
2: Time for an audit. <laughs> yeah. For the
4: for the Sorry. target
1: guys, for anyone trying to get better at their game like yeah. I don't know, man. I kind of like the idea of maybe they have if you can afford six bear shafts to just leave as is and and they are noctuned. Okay, you're shooting. You're in a slump shooting. Go shoot through paper with a bear shaft, maybe. And your bow's still tuned. It's it's you.
2: Okay, so from an audit standpoint, just an audit standpoint. Okay, from an audit standpoint, you can take that same thing with your fletched arrows, and it will still show a difference. So you don't really need that. It hundred percent will. That's true. If you if you're doing it different, I watched you a do that at arrow, my camp
1: in California. Right. It, it was bad.
2: Yeah. So it'll still do it, and it and it will do it you'll still get a variance in each. Let me explain that. So
1: like there was a dude and I'm not gonna say his name. I can't remember it, but he literally shot like three shots. It was point left, point, right, high tear. And then Josh was like, give me that bow. Then you shoot it. It's like, and I'm like, this thing's so not tuned. And then you shoot it. It's got a perfect bolt hole. I was like, okay, bro, you, you literally have did three completely different shots. Mm Mm-hmm
2: well his draw length was way too long too and that's that's part of it when your draw length's long it's really hard to do it the same yeah that's why draw length is so important yeah if anything i'd rather it be a tit short because you are shooting angles and things like that and you lose it so that's why it's so important
1: yeah so i guess we should probably come back to you get a good bullet hole like a really good bullet hole really
2: good clean true clean target guys
1: probably need to torque tune and bear shaft tune or just go to bear um
2: Well, yeah, you probably want to torque tune because it's going to change what your tear does. Yeah, Like at that point, if you get a decent paper tear, like it's really looks really good, looks really clean, and you're going to torque tune, then do that. And then go back and check your paper Maybe tear. Maybe explain torque tune for those that are new to it. Uh, torque tune is the process of depending on whether you're using the sight or the rest or both. You move the, uh, the arrow rest out and slowly move it back in until you see, you deliberately torque the bow left. Uh, you shoot one straight, normal. You torque it left, you torque it right. And you keep moving the arrow rest in or out until those hit as close to each other as possible. That's it. On most modern hunting bows, that's going to be as far forward as you can move your arrow rest, which is where I just typically put them to begin with on a hunting bow. And then your sight, if you have a dovetail on it, you do the same thing. You move it out and slowly move it back in, torquing each time. Move it a click at a time because it's got little indents in it. Until you can hit as close to the middle as possible. And it does make a difference. Yeah. But once again, as you learned when you did it, you moved your sight all the way in. You moved your rest all the way in on a hunting bow. Yeah. Target bow is different. That's definitely and worthwhile. And I actually and had never
1: purposely torqued before. And yeah. Nick was like, no, more, more. And I'm like,
2: yeah, this, this string is going to jump off the cam. Is break. And that's the scary part of doing it, too. So and why, Be careful. Well, that's why it needs to be a certain level of person. Can yeah. you even do it the same?
1: But I was blown away at how close those arrows hit when we got it torque tuned. Yeah. I was like, okay, that makes sense for a hunting scenario when you're shooting some weird off position and you feel that anxiety to get rid of the arrow. Mm-hmm. I do think that would help mm-hmm. bring in some forgiveness um okay so
2: it it might give a better reason to somebody who might disagree with the fact that i said move your rest uh, and as tight as you can your side as tight as you can because it it generally creates the least amount of torque and variance it would prove it to you that it's probably going to work so do it it, knock
1: yourself out what about the um the guys that maybe aren't target like what's their next step after a perfect bullet hole um do they start addressing like we're assuming that the second axis has been touched
2: Oh, as far as leveling your levels, site? yeah, yeah. So there's depending on the type of sight you have. Should we just assume that it's a movable, yeah, slider rail? I think okay. most people do that now. So yeah, pretty much. I think that's it's way more common than not, right? So um, you put your bow in a jig, get your string square and level. Yes. All right. Depending on what tools you use to do that, I make stuff for it. There's a lot of stuff out there for it, but get a level on your string and get the bow string square and level. Yep. And then put a level on the rail of your movable sight and move that rail till it's level, and then check the bubble scope in your head of your sight and move that to where it's level, and then the only other thing is third axis. On third axis, ideally you draw the bow back, hold it downhill at an angle, have a flat level on your riser in a flat spot, and then match whatever the bubble on the riser is doing to the one in the scope head, which is when you see us draw it back in the draw board and hold it at an angle like we did the other day, that's what we're mimicking. And we also just showed that hand torque will also change that. So ideally you have a site that you can make finite adjustments to in that and functionally shoot it in. So go to an uphill target on a dot and change your bubble based off of whether it hits left and right until you're hitting the middle of the target for uphills and downhills. It's really solid. It's a really good way to do it. Uh, Once again, this is dictated by this person's ability. I still
1: want to give Black Gold. I'm not using their site. I've used it a lot. I still want to give them a shout out best for system the g- for it. best system for third <laughs> access like when i was and i love dan mm-hmm. dan evans probably listened to this hey dan um yeah man i don't like having to loosen two screws and tighten two other screws and then shoot and hope that i made good shots mm-hmm. and then oh i didn't it went the wrong way now i gotta tighten the top two and loosen mm-hmm. the bottom. i mean
2: well in all uh, in all fairness his is easier than a lot of other ones it like is there, there are some that are just spot hog. Hard.
1: Figure it out. They got great engineers. Why can't you make a? Anyways, it's another Titan Loosen system. Yeah. yeah, but they do. I will say, Spot Hog does have that metal wire. Yeah, in the middle. That's nice, which really helps. If yeah. you're in... guys, we're getting in the weeds. I got a police us.
2: Um, okay, so we. <laughs> it's, it's still red, and we're at an hour. <laughs> we got a second axis figured
1: out. We're um,
2: shooting third axis ideally. Shoot and then, third
1: axis, and I will say. <laughs> every time I've given you my bow and you've done your new hack is what I'm calling it, where mm-hmm. you put it in full draw and tilt it down mm-hmm. and put the third axis tool and you manually adjust it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. Cause I'm not involved. The human's not involved and it's been super close every time. And then you make a little like, I have never had to adjust any of them that you've done. Mm-hmm. And then this one recently that we just did, mm-hmm. I'm trying to explain this proper, so help me. It was
2: within the it was within the lines, but it wasn't dead center. But you hadn't touched it. I hadn't touched it.
1: And so we hadn't done the third axe with you, right. and I went out and shot it in myself. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, at your range, I got a steep downhill and a steep uphill.
2: Oh, and those targets are right next to each other on
1: purpose. So it's convenient. So you convenient. can walk in a circle
2: and keep shooting it. So
1: I shot my downhills, and I was trending right. I went mm-hmm. and shot my uphills. I was trending left. Mm-hmm. I made one tiny adjustment and shot and hit on the lines. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm in. And so I was really curious to see how close it was to what you Super did. Super close. Super close. So that is a good hack that you have. It and is. And it's a good reason to go to SVA because mm-hmm. I don't know anyone else that does that.
2: Yeah, there's. Um, I, think, I think I've seen it uh, one other time, but uh, not with that tool because that's a tool I made. But uh, we yeah. are working on manufacturing that tool. I think that would be great. Um, an integrated draw board that pivots. So you can pull a bow back and check those things. It would be so it's ideal. It's a that, time saver. That actually goes on to a last chance press because that's what most people have.
1: That's what we all have, man.
2: Yeah. Well, there's a couple out there that are. What's the red general,
1: one thing that...
2: Uh, oh, the Oh, that's the red one? Express press or something. Oh, I haven't made that in like five years. Uh,
1: oh, 10 years.
2: So Dudley's. Dudley. Okay. So
1: hold on. Let me talk about Dudley for a okay. second. Hey, John, you don't listen to my podcast, but I want to play a sound bite, and I want to know if he messaged me because I know he saw... Oh, So he saw this story... Yeah, I tagged him. He didn't comment. And last time he texted me, he was kind of mad at me because I made a little clip with Joel Turner, kind mm-hmm. of making fun of the silverback. But it was like literally uh, just the
2: a release clip. for children. Yes. <laughs> Joel likes to say. Yeah. But it was just yeah. a
1: clip. He actually had great context. It's a great release, and I love John. But mm-hmm. he, I got a text from him. He wasn't happy about that. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna play the soundbite. Uh, oh. All right,
2: today I knock on our tree. We're gonna switch this guy here from his silverback over the Carter Wise choice. Are you ready, my friend? ready. We've got a really nice Total Archery Challenge shot over here. You ready for this through the trees? You got target downrange? Here's your new release. Uh, I'll trade you. OK, thank you. Uh, Knockonarchery.com. All right, so pull through the shot. You ready? OK, focus, pull through. Pull through the shot. <laughs> Draw your bow, pull through. OK, OK, aim for that back strap over there. Later on, we're going to fire up the Traeger. We're going to call Sharon. You ready? We're doing it, buddy.
0: No tag suit tonight. Squeeze your butt cheeks. That's right. Okay.
3: Executed. You followed through. <laughs> Knock on, baby.
1: That's not John Dudley. No?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: That <laughs> is a subscriber at Bear Camp with <laughs> the best John Dudley. That was not...
2: Oh, my God. That was good.
1: You, were, you thought I was dud. I did. Yeah. When he said... Shoot it through the back straps, fire on the Traeger. We'll call Sharon. Squeeze your butt cheeks. <laughs> so I tagged Dud in that and like, oh. dude, I was like, this is the best Dudley impersonation. We got nothing but love for you. Yeah, I think he's like he's probably offended. But
2: I thought that was like you thought that how was. Are, how do you get that much in the public and be offended? I like you know. can't you can't survive if you get offended by stuff. He's
1: yeah, I don't know if he's sensitive or not, but John, I love you. I thought that was like so that guy who, did, his name's Justin. He's yeah. a huge fan of yeah. Dudley's. Yeah. Like he's been studying Dudley. He shoots yeah. a PSC. He has everything knock on. Yeah. And he started talking like Dudley. And I was like, dude, I got to film this. This like, is so good. <laughs> wasn't that? That was incredible. That was incredible. Yeah. That was incredible. That's at, that's at the that's YouTube funny. video you'll have to watch. But uh, yeah. that's the bear hunt you didn't.
2: Yeah, I hadn't watched. Well, it came out today.
1: You didn't so. go on. And I'm kind of glad you didn't. Well, my
2: passport didn't make it. I was four days late on my passport getting here. So I was like. I could drive up here for 2 days and by that time it was not good anyway so I was like, "Nah, I'm just going to stay. I'm going to stay here and and put the nose back to the grindstone and keep mm. busting shit out." You know, I needed to do that. But so we were tuning. We're tuning. We've got the first second and third set. Now you sight in your bow to distance, make sure your distances are all Let's good. Let's talk about that and then, quickly.
1: What what's the number like you prefer them to get 20 like well, perfect get, and then back out to 60 or
2: so ability? if you're if you're using um If you're using like sight tapes or whatnot, you know, as far as you can comfortably shoot the bow is going to give you more accurate information, but we're kind of skipping over something here. Okay. You get your 20, get everything squared up and figure out where your 60 yard is, right? Get 60 and then reset your pee pipe to where that is the most optimal, comfortable position. Thank you. And then go back and refigure out where 20 is because it ain't on 20 anymore. Because if you're set at 60, 20, you're going to be pushing into it pretty good. hundred, you're probably still touching the string barely with your nose. Yep. And that's to give you the most accurate overall package.
1: Yeah, like my peep right now is not the most fun to shoot at twenty and 30 mm-hmm. But gosh dang, anything past sixty, yeah. it's perfect. So I'm willing to deal with that a little bit, you know.
2: Yeah. I mean you're you gotta look at like twenty and thirty is these are easy. Does it, do I really have to do it perfect at yeah. this distance? Right. Or do I want it to be perfect farther on? So yeah, yeah, get your peep set at sixty, refigure out which it's once you move that, it's probably gonna your sixties now probably gonna become fifty. Mm-hmm. Realistically, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to lose about 10 yards off of what you were shooting. Get that set good. Got all your distances. Everything's money. Then for me, I'd immediately shoot a broadhead at 20 yards once I'm resighted and make sure it's hitting where my field point is. Okay. And then if it's not, you make your adjustments for your rest for left to right, typically up and down. Like if that thing's done right, your up and down should never be different. We By the way, are we going to
1: redo the broadhead tuning video? Yeah. I was thinking about that yesterday and I was like... I'm gonna put it out there. If you live in the Spokane area, I'm tired of being on the video, okay? And honestly, my shit's really dialed right now. Yeah. So, if you're a subscriber of either of our channels or a listener of this pod, and you live in the quarterly d'Alene, Spokane area, if you want to drive all the way over here, we're all, looking all for somebody. Away. Yeah, I'm looking for some West Siders. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking for somebody to bring over their bow, their fill points, and their fixed broadheads, mm-hmm. and you will leave with them all hitting perfect. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they're messed up so yeah. that we can solve... Because uh, last year we made a video and, and we got a lot of criticism on it that we said something wrong. Yeah, I said it backwards. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I've said it backwards probably six times because my brain's... So we're going to
1: do it proper. Yeah. And the guys at archerytalk.com just love to hear that you're wrong. And yeah, so sh- you I'm should sure. surf that website No, I don't want to. Anyways, the, uh, whoever is that, reach out. I will pick somebody. You come over. We're going yeah. to... You're going to... And I want to do it not in August. I want to do it in June or July.
2: Should I just clarify where I was wrong?
1: Yeah, let's well, yeah. we're going into that step right now, but yeah. I'm just saying visually yeah. I want to bring all this to life on the channel. Yeah. So whoever you are, come be can be featured on our channels and we will take you through broadhead tuning one oh one and we will fix you up. So let's you shoot a broadhead at twenty.
2: Well, first you need to ensure that your broadhead's straight out of the arrow. Like period it won't like shoot no wobbles. like no wobbles like put it on a spinner and make sure it's spinning on a top and doesn't wobble or put it in the palm of your hand v your fingers and blow on the fletching you'll feel it moving if it's not and guys straight. i
1: used to wonder like what's a wobble what's a not it'll be
0: really obvious
2: it's pretty noticeable it's pretty obvious so then we're talking right-handed shooter here Um, say you shoot 20 yards and your broadhead hits to the right of your field point, you move your rest to the right, not to the left. I'm sorry, I said it backwards twice. My bad internet, whatever. But yeah, if you're hitting if your broadhead hits right, it's the same thing as a shaft tune. If your broadhead hits right, you move your arrow rest slowly to the right. And I mean slowly. Like a click. Like like a click, like enough that your paper tear probably wouldn't look any different. Like a click or two clicks. If you have to move it more than like four or five clicks, your spine's probably wrong. Mm. If you've got a good tear, and you, everything seems to be flying really good, you shouldn't have to move more than four or five clicks. I would probably start looking at, okay, hold on. Maybe this is too weak of an arrow. And if it's hitting left, maybe it's too stiff of an arrow, which it's almost never going to
1: hit left. Because mm-hmm.
2: it's really hard to have too stiff of an arrow. Yep. Right?
1: But what if it does end up hitting a combination of right and low? Right. We've seen that a lot.
2: So low, if you're talking low, which also low can be weak too. Really? So right is weak and low is weak with, okay. a, with, a, with a release and a standard arrow rest without tension on it. That makes sense. So they'll hit right and low is usually weak. So if you're striking right and low commonly, it's an easy way to test that. Back your bow down five or six pounds. Does the low right go away? It's probably spine. That's
1: a really cool suggestion. It doesn't, doesn't cost anything.
2: It's an easy check.
1: Or you could pull your fletchings off and nick like what, a half inch off your arrow. If you didn't want to like,
2: yeah, oh have- yeah, you could, but that costs something. Yeah, right. Adjusting a limb bolt doesn't cost anything. True. Screw it right back on. You cut a half inch off your arrow. That arrow is now a half inch shorter. Can't fix that. If you decide that wasn't what it was, because you could be getting a contact somewhere. Something could be hitting somewhere mm. that's making it kick mm. that way. Whereas if you just shoot.
4: Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com waypointpod50 to get 50% off.
2: lighter weight you'll see it change
1: let's say you shoot at um 60 yards Mm -hmm. um you shoot your broadhead first Mm -hmm. left and right's money but it's about three four inches low and your field point's right in the bullseye that's happened to me a lot Mm -hmm. do you bump the rest up ever so slightly i
2: would immediately go back and check my timing okay i would immediately go back and check my timing and then if i'm sure my timing's good and i would check it in a draw board that has an offset handle that mimics the actual drop distance between your hand and where the arrow leaves so that arrow should be coming back straight with the hand position low, where some of the draw boards out there draw in a straight line. How's my draw board
1: on my last chance? That it's, does it, right? Nope.
2: Oh. you will be a half a twist out. Okay. Yeah. So if you look at the draw board I have in my shop, the handle is offset, and you actually have to move the draw board for left to right. Uh, and it's that makes offset sense. by the distance in which your hand would sit on the string. Because... I learned that like 10 12 years ago you'd put it back in a last chance draw board and you deliberately set it a half a twist out i knew i'd learn because when you pull it back today. when you pull it back in your hands all of a sudden okay it feels out but i just checked it it's not well yeah it is it absolutely is hmm. um so and then a lot of the really hard aggressive cams it's hard to get them perfectly timed um with the new bowtech uh target system actually has a adjustment you can readjust where the peg is the uh I'm trying to remember. I think Black Eagle's actually making that one that McCarthy is talking about, the timing one that you mentioned the other day.
1: Oh, yeah, the Dan McCarthy timing little doodads. Yeah, it's
2: a little thing you put in your cable. You could just put some string loop material in there if you wanted, something to change the These are like little
1: hourglass. uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty smart, you know. Honestly, I'm probably going to mess with those down the road.
2: Yeah. Well, if you, if you look at... Um, kind of slows down I, I've the seen cable. I've seen guys in the target world with a piece of loop material in their string. And, and they're trying to lengthen it a small... Or shorten it a, an entirely small amount. Enough that you can't you can't twit, put a full twist in the string.
1: I would say, guys watching, if you're really trying to get an archery, that's I think this is undeniable. I could be wrong. Tell me your thoughts. But I just think if you really want to get better at archery, don't follow the bow hunters... Follow the target guys. They're the nerds that have like,
2: yeah. Follow uh, money's on the line. Follow Tim Gillingham. Follow Paige Pierce. She puts out so much good information, like incredibly good information. Follow Dan McCarthy. McCarthy. Um, When I when I was talking to you about the pushing on the end of the arrow to figure out where your spine is, yeah, I I figured that out, and then two days later, Brian sent me a video Dan McCarthy talking about it. Interesting. Like shit. Yeah, (laughs) but nobody still makes a tool. So yeah. I'm gonna work on that. But the so you recheck your time. Yep. If you're still in time and your broadhead is planing, hitting a little low, then you move. I, ideally, you actually move your loop because it makes a bigger change. But you can move your arrow rest too. Well, I I like the idea of not moving the rest at all. So let's stick with that. Okay. So if you're hitting low, you'd move your loop down, make it hit higher. And that was which one is thing weird because that- if you think about the the decisions you make with your arrow rest that seem like the opposite of what it should do. With your left to right, but your up and down still holds true. If you're hitting low, you move your loop down. If you're hitting high, you move your loop up.
1: Nick Fisher was the first one to like put on a D loop on my one of my bows Mm -hmm. and not like cinch it down. Yeah, so you can move it. He moved that thing a ton. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't know that. I was that day old when I learned that. So that makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense, Josh. I mean, yeah, ideally, especially with like the QAD integrates Mm -hmm. with Matthews, which I'm Mm -hmm. trying one right now, by the way. And I, a lot
2: you, you will until the cord stretches on you when you're hunting
1: we'll see i hope that doesn't happen but thirteen sixties off the rise of the things built for it and i don't want to move it and it sounds like
2: there's all kinds of ways to not move to work your around
1: some workarounds let's yeah. say you did need to move it would you move it a click or two up
2: if you're moving the arrow rest in that scenario and your arrows hitting low your broadhead's hitting low your field point you would move the arrow rest up now dan, so the opposite of what the loop is.
1: dan evans makes the sight tape I'm talking about him personally,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where like inevitably a fixed broadhead will eventually plane, right? There's just no like... Fr-
2: so will a mechanical.
1: And a mechanical eventually. So he has basically figured out a way for himself to use a different sight tape for things that are going to kill animals instead of fill points. Sure, And it's just... I One mean, on each side. It's so slightly different, yeah. but it's just a little more stretched out. It won't be think different. That's a good practice. It won't be
2: different till like 80 or 90 yards and then it'll get different. Okay. Because of drag, because there's more drag surface on a broadhead than there is on a field point. So when you the killed other, that the other practice two the, years ago, the other practice that was last year. Can the I other, bring this up? The other practice is um, iron wills field points. They create more drag.
1: Which is, I don't have any
2: right here. I don't. Yeah, they're bold, so they create more drag. They're they're much more. You're more likely to lose them in a target. They're a little harder to get out of a target because they hang up on the target. But that's the purpose of it. I'm sold on them. Is to create drag. Yeah. Yeah, if you're trying to sight in a field point and a broadhead and leave yeah. it together, that's a better bet.
1: That should be your North Star if yeah. you're into bow hunting. Dude, I'm learning some stuff from you today. This is cool. Okay, the antelope. Do you want to talk about the antelope? Or like, like I can kind of talk can about it. Can we just it? say it
2: was a ways away? Yes. Leaving. Okay, cool. Okay,
1: Josh shot right. an antelope in Idaho. Um, it's the furthest shot I've heard of anyone shooting an antelope. I'll just say that. Is that fair and safe? Sure. I, maybe I don't know a lot of people. So maybe that sure. yeah, maybe
2: Yeah, maybe you haven't heard a lot.
1: Okay, okay. anyways, for a shot that far... Um, with an expandable.
2: Uh, yeah, it was not expandable.
1: still had to uh, account for the planing, right? Yeah,
2: well, I was sighted in with the broadheads. Yeah. I wasn't sighted in with field points. I stopped shooting field points three weeks prior. And then you just kind of sold. And I rebuilt my tape for the field for the broadheads only. And I went over to my cousin's house three days a week, four days a week. Because one, there's no customers out there. So I don't get stopped and asked questions and whatnot while I'm trying to shoot my own stuff. And two, I can shoot out to 150 um, with, and we drive a UTV and go pull the arrows and come back uh, and I'm standing in a shop yeah. so if it's rainy windy no whatever wind. yeah. I can still practice and get the reps and now granted it's going to react down there and it's amazing how little wind moves a lot at like 150 so the wind I'll show you this video uh...
4: Mm-hmm. Okay, so
1: I hit perfect right behind the shoulder. Mm-hmm. I was not aiming there. Did, you had yeah. about a 14 mile an hour wind that day, mm-hmm. and that was 120 yards. Do you know where? I, yeah, I was aiming at the end of the vitals. Yeah, and you'll see my bow is like the, the framing of that. I got lucky. I had it perfectly yeah. framed. You, if you look, you'll see my bow is pointed at the middle of the moose body. Yeah, and then the arrow goes out of frame, and when the arrow comes back in the frame, it's way over and it's dropping in. Yep. So at 150, mm-hmm. even in us, uh, it's, it's stupid. Like when I shot that 300-yard yeah. shot with Tim, mm-hmm. all that was based on wind. Not It was not that hard. No, People it, like think that's,
2: I'm not that good at archery. It, it's easy. You find something to point at, you shoot it, and you will move the target where the arrow landed. And then <laughs> you not, just watch the wind. Yeah, and, and I watch had a flagpole, yeah. and
1: I just had to wait for it to die down. Now, yeah. the reason I'm talking about all this, guys, and this is what I want you to get takeaways is, do you think, Josh, it would be more if... Guys who love expandables, and I've killed stuff with expandables. You love expandables. Mm -hmm. If guys, you guys took the route that we're talking about of using fixed broadheads for this end of foreplay process, Mm -hmm. get it all perfect using a fixed broadhead. And then Mm -hmm. if you want to use expandable, just put it on. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be better than just letting... Not still, really tuning.
2: You're still tuning uh, to a greater scale, but now you're buying another set of broadheads just for a tuning purpose. At that point, you probably ought to just use a shaft because they're going to do the same thing. Okay. So you can, you can totally do it. that scenario. One thing we did miss over when we we're talking about premium setups uh, and trying to get this thing dialed dialed. The difference between each arrow is a lot of variant and you can get the weight the same on each arrow, but they still kind of deflect different. And I figured out ways to be able to tell which way they're going to deflect. However, that will change as soon as you fletch it. So for those of you standing out there, noctu- for those of you standing out there, noctuning shafts, because this is the optimum per, per, uh, performance and perfect setup, etc. cetera, um, that doesn't work as soon as you fletch it. It's different. So if you're going to noctune, you should be noctuning a fletched arrow, not a shaft, because they do look different, arrow to arrow. You can do the exact same thing. To think that the fletching is correcting the arrow at seven feet is foolish it hasn't even had a chance to do anything that would make sense so and that's actually a lot of the like high high level guys that are shooting 4 fletch. that's more of the reason why they're doing it because it's easier to reorientate the arrow and not refletch the arrow because mm. there's more orientation points you can pick which arrow is fo- supposed to which fletch is supposed to point the right direction because you have more of them so as you're tuning it and trying to find that optimum point where it actually does shoot exactly the same mind you they don't have to look like a perfect hole at first they just need to look like the same hole so they're flexing the same each time. After that's fletched, a four fletch gives you more points of contact. Okay, go I got a
1: dozen it. pro comps on the way. You heard me ordering the mm-hmm. iron wheel components. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna cut those arrows. If I fletch them first mm-hmm. and glue and hot melt, mm-hmm. are you saying to shoot through paper? Shoot each one of them through paper. How and turn far? The-
2: uh, like seven to 10 feet, just right out of the bow. It doesn't, you don't have to be far away then, from it and at talking all.
1: talking 120 degree rotation, 90 degree, one eighths, one fourths.
2: Um, so I still really like three fletches cause I don't think they move as much. In I'm going to three fletch. I'm going to use a hybrid here's, HP. Here's the negative. Okay. You're going to have to re-fletch a bunch of them. So you fletch them, you turn it to where the, the point, the, sorry, you turn it to where the, the tear looks exactly the same. Okay. And then if it, so fletch them all the same color. Right. Got it. So if you end yeah. up 120, you're just using that one as your cock feather instead of the other one. You don't have to refletch them. If you end up um sixty degrees in between the two to where they're orientated, guess what? You're refletching that arrow with the fletches pointed the other way. So
1: I guess you gotta say that really slow for me. So because <laughs> okay. um I I just have this idea of the cock vein always being up for my setups.
2: Okay. Uh, which is which is fine. So
1: if I rotate the knock on mm-hmm. my three fletches that are all the same color, doesn't mm-hmm. matter, and mm-hmm. I get a perfect bullet hole consistently, mm-hmm. I'm going to take a silver sharpie and mark where...
2: Where up is. Where up is. Up is, and if one of the fletches doesn't line up to be your cock feather that's up, you need to refletch that arrow to where they do.
1: And I can cock vein that one. Yes, but okay. by
2: putting the weight on the back of the arrow like that, and the way you twist yeah. them and the way they orientate, I'm gonna it tr- makes I'm gonna it do different.
1: that. I'm going to do that, and here's why it that's does. not a big deal. Yeah. I use the Arizona Easy Mini Max to the left. It's it super, takes me one second to, to, to redo that. Now, yeah. ha- speaking of these, and we're going to probably have to end this podcast, but the Goat Tough Fletcher, have you seen it? I have not yet. Watch the YouTube video I dropped today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave that guy airtime mm-hmm. on that video because I'm like, this is insanely good. Okay. It's, I probably. If you're into two degree offsets, not the crazies that we mm-hmm. do, this would be a really good option, mm-hmm. but you can't, you can't do all your veins at once. Sure. you going to have to, but just watch that. Text me when you see it, mm-hmm. whenever that happens, mm-hmm. let me know your thoughts. Sure. you you'll probably, I can predict what you'll say. You'll be like, uh, either you'll say so-and-so made that a version of that 17 years ago. It was called this, or you'll be like. Oh, I already thought of that. What did you, what did you and see I'm it on? I'm making that. In.
3: What did you
2: see it on?
1: I, I'm saying what you're going to say. No, I
2: understand that. But what did you see it on?
1: I've never seen it in my life. I yeah. saw it in real life. Thought, the guy brought it to camp.
2: Oh, he had it with him?
1: Yeah. And we flushed a few arrows right there, then and there. Huh. And it, it was really impressive, Josh. So,
2: but you recorded it on your video.
1: Yeah, it's on the YouTube video. Okay. I gave it airtime. Why don't you pull
2: it up and I'll look at it. Okay. And then you can have my exact opinion. And then I want to finish.
1: I want to finish (laughs) with if you want to talk about any more fletching devices. Sure. Guys, he knows what I'm talking about. I know what he's talking about. Okay.
2: Not a bad idea.
1: So you have options. Yeah. Yep. I like that you're pushing down. Yeah. So you're applying
2: pressure and holding it. That's a good idea. I mean, the, uh, it, at first thought, it actually looks like uh, an Arizona plastic one that okay. they made. Okay. But, it, but it's different. Like the, the thing that holds the vein isn't actually a clamp. It just sets in it, and you push down on it. That's, that's not a bad idea. And then he served the
1: little thing so there was no slop on the knock, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But that guy's name's Craig. He's a huge fan of yours. He calls you out a couple times, like for fun in the yeah. video. Uh, sure. He was bummed you weren't there. But he's a great guy. You would have yeah. loved him. Yeah, Full nerd. Did yeah. you get the gist? Yeah, no. That's, so that's, the little spindle is a four or a three? Yeah, yeah I, I, I hadn't seen that before. I'll, th- I'll bring him in. And the prices are really fair, like 45 retail. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, that's a really... Honestly, that's a pretty good option for people. Sure. So my yeah, dad that, was like, I'm uh, buying
2: one. Yeah, that looks like a good tool. I mean, it's... It's it's along the same premise of what I'm trying to make because I am making a fletching jig. It's not done yet, but I wanted to make it so simple you can't fuck it up. Yeah, like and you can't adjust it, but there's different pieces for changing how much it is. Mm-hmm. But there's not like this moving it back and forth to get it where you like it. There's pre-built things. I'd that like I'm that. Doing. And you are doing all of them at the same time, not one at a time. Yeah, in what I'm making. And as far as the knock fitting tight in the receiver there's actually inserts for the size of arrow what do you know thinking of a thing or two
1: when is it gonna be done dude
2: (laughs) ask mark Beauvais. he's been he's been dicking with it for like two and a half months the the issue is that the issue we're making it perfect the issue we're having is getting enough pressure on the vein that you don't have to hold it It holds itself that would be nice man that's that's the issue that's where we're at and And it's it's really close It's really close, but and if you have if you had two of them, while well, it's sitting. Make there it
1: affordable so that you can buy three or four at a we're, time we're or make a bundle.
2: We're targeting a hundred because it's mostly metal. It's so, not plastic. So
1: give me a bundle price if I buy three or whatever. I love having multiple jigs when I'm doing a dozen.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the premise of the time it takes to load it, the time it takes to set it up, and the time it takes to glue it, you only need two. Because that's dry by the time you've finished doing the other yeah. one. And there will be a three-fletch or a four-fletch <sighs> options.
1: How much patents does Bitsenberg have? It's Bitsenberg
2: is like 70 years old. I really doubt they I, have a valid patent. An OMP made one that looks just like it. it just hasn't come out yet. I was going mean, to say, it's, it's I'm going to make one
1: not out of pot metal that actually I'll shave it all down the way it's supposed to be proper.
2: I'd take a look at OMPs before you waste your money just uh, to make yeah, sure. Already, but it looks a lot like it. I yeah. still don't have them. I have a 100 of left, right, and straight of each on mm-hmm. order. Yeah, Still haven't seen one yet. Wow. They're saying July. And I'm like, guys, you just missed the whole hunting window. Yeah, like, that's terrible. That's stupid. What did you show this thing in January for if you're not going to put it out until July? That's really surprising. Yeah. Normally, most manufacturers are smart enough to know better.
1: Are we going to ATA next year or not?
2: Oh, God. Well, is ATA even even be there next year? Like yeah. They've had two or three years in a row where it was down a lot.
1: I haven't Like been. down
2: a lot. But um, I I almost got talked into it this year. So I think it's probably too far. I have to do it if it's still. There. I
1: might go this year. This yeah. year. I, I haven't been in a few. Yeah. And oh. I haven't missed it. But I do think it might be smart. I'll probably especially for to. what you're doing just to, yeah. to get hands on. Um, Guys, we got to go. Josh got other things to do. Uh, Josh's channel. I always get this wrong. I'm going to link it right there. Yeah. And I'm also going to put a link right there to sub his channel. I'm going to put a link right here to sub my channel if you are here and lurking and not subscribing please all you gotta do is subscribe it's no sweat off your eyebrows just do it we need them it helps it's make really, more
2: content it's really important guys uh, subscribe
1: please leave a bad comment or two yeah leave me a shitty comment i love them tell josh to quit wearing a mohawk he's 44 years old or you would do it if you could and you know it oh nice pardon <laughs> advice josh for guys who um Watched this far and found it interesting.
2: Hmm, partial advice. advice. Life
1: advice. Inspirational, hmm. motivational, philosophical. Oh,
2: man. Killing me. Make sure your stuff's perfect. Don't spend the extra money on gear if your gear that you have hasn't been set perfectly to begin with. Learn how to work on your own stuff because it's only going to make you better. Don't be afraid of it. And I am trying to put out as much different how-to stuff so you're not afraid to do it. You need to work on your own stuff. It doesn't mean you're not going to go into the shop and ask for help. You've learned how to work on your own stuff. You're still constantly ask, constantly ask for help. It's a doesn't, process. Yeah, it's a process. And I still see as much. I mean, it's not that different, Yeah. right? Eventually, maybe you get to the point that you don't need me, but you've probably put 30 people out there that still do because you were learning to do it yourself. And that's the point that a shop needs to take into account. Having somebody work on their own stuff is going to get more people in the sport. And at the end of the day, we need more people in the sport. Mm. That's the only way it's going to survive in the hunting end of things. If we don't have more people hunting when they vote on stuff, there's not enough voices voting our way more. We need more involvement. That's being more confident in what you're doing, i.e. working on your own stuff. Nothing more valuable than working on your own stuff. In my opinion.
1: Mm. My parting advice is from the last podcast Josh did with me, which was been over a year ago. And that is call your dad. If he's still alive, call him today. Tell him you love him no matter what. Um, I'm going to do that right now. Call my dad. Have not talked to him all week. Let him know Josh lost his father. And um, watch that podcast. We'll link at the very end here. That's a really cool emotional podcast. I'm glad we did it on video mode. So check that out. Get to know Josh. Subscribe to channels. Separations in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.